It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't f*** it up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. What's up, Chicken Littles? Is the sky falling? Maybe. Tune in for more tonight at 11. Now, welcome to the show. Mean Age Daydream coming back at you. I am uh, frantic a little bit. I was out of town for several days out in Yosemite, and I've got an interesting little uh, tale to tell from that trip. But also today, just totally forgot, had a lunch meeting way the fuck out in Pasadena. And this is a meeting with somebody who has regularly given me business for the public relations agency. So important that I meet with them to keep that relationship strong. But one of those things where I'm literally just about to sit down to record about four hours ago and get the notification on my calendar. And I'm like, Oh, fuck me. So if you know anything about Los Angeles, Pasadena is about an hour from where I live. So literally saw it, shower, cut my hair. And uh, and you see the cut on my head if you're watching the video, which I'll tell you about. Cut my hair down so I look like a, a swarthy man, shave the beard, jump in the car, drive out to Pasadena. It takes an hour, two-hour lunch, drive an hour back. So that, you know, that lunch, that one lunch date has completely fucked my day right in the ass. Like there's no getting it back. So now I'm playing catch up and I got to record this quick before my kiddos start to roll in. So this is going to be a little bit shorter, a little less detail. I apologize for that, but maybe some of you are sick of hearing my voice anyway. I'll tell you what you shouldn't be sick of is crowd health. Now, if you're not familiar with crowd health, they've been a longtime sponsor of our show. It is a fantastic alternative to health insurance, which can be frustrating, which could be, uh, I mean, I, honestly, I'm still getting bills from an insurance I had a year ago to the tune of, I'm getting stupid ass bills from Oscar, which I had and boot. I had to change programs because they got rid of my program under fucking Obamacare. So I'm still getting bills for $11 and getting calls from credit agencies for something I don't even know what for. CrowdHealth operates differently. If you're not familiar with them, it's essentially a voluntary community, a health community, wherein they work out direct payments to doctors. They work out direct payments with your healthcare provider. And this is paid for by the community. Right now, you could get in for as little as $50 a month right now by using promo code Lions. You go to joincrowdhealth.com and use that promo code Lions to get $50 a month for the first six months. And the way this works, guys, is essentially, as I said, it's a voluntary community. Everybody is pooling their money to pay direct payments to the doctors. There's no, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or outs about it. You're not going to get bills later down the road like I'm getting. You pay it right away, right up front, and they even negotiate with you. They have healthcare concierges to help you get the best price from these doctors. And again, direct to doctor payments is what we want. So I want you to check them out. As I said, go to joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LIONS. Now, I want to remind you guys, you know, it's time to get out of this restrictive healthcare environment. Let Crowd Health find the right healthcare fit for you. And just know this is not health insurance. I want to make that clear. It's not health insurance. It is better. It is more. It is a voluntary direct payment. And again, it's going to change the way you think about healthcare. So check them out. Okay. So getting back at the show here. First things first, I was out of town. 
for days in uh, a no-sell zone out in Yosemite at a bachelor party. And nothing like a bachelor party of 15 dudes in the middle of the woods, you know, with no strip club around. But that's where we were. And I had some interesting conversations. Now, as I mentioned, you might notice I have scratches on my head. Well, that's because we went to a lake called Bass Lake. They have these boats you can rent with just a driver's license, which is fantastic. And they have tubes you can pull behind the boats. They also used to have a rope swing, which I had face planted off of badly at one time because it was set up on a steep embankment, caught my knee on a root going down and, uh, and tanked it. The sheriffs made them cut the rope swing down. Couldn't go on it anymore. And also, they nerfed the boats, right? They nerfed the speed of the boats on the river, probably because people were still getting hurt far too much riding these rafts you could pull behind, They're like giant tubes. Now, I managed to still get injured because I'm riding the tube. I'm getting very bored because it's only going about 20 miles an hour, maybe 25, as opposed to the 40 it went the last time I was there. So at one point, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to roll off. So I roll off the side, a rope, the rope that's pulling the tube scrapes the top of my fucking head <laughs> and I get the only injury of the weekend. And uh, now I have to carefully do everything because if you have any bald friends, you go in the shower, you think this thing's cleaned off and healed and you go to towel off and you know, you're bleeding out the ass again. Terrible. But in this Yosemite retreat, I thought it was going to be mostly people, you know, these are younger guys to me, a lot of teachers in the group. What was interesting though, is sitting down and talking to some of these guys and a couple of different things came up that were interesting. One was a conversation I had about civil jury for, you know, basically civil proceedings when it comes to courts, these insane amounts that people are giving out, like for example, Sandy Hook and Alex Jones. And I was talking to the one guy who was a proponent of these civil courts saying, well, you know, it's these things should be permitted. It's a jury. And I said, well, how is this? This is bullshit. You shouldn't be able to just pull a random figure out of thin air. And he goes, well, it's, you know, it's the damages and it's, uh, you know, it should be, and you could send a message. I'm like, everything about that is anti-justice. Nothing in, the, in what you said is justified in any way because they're not, these people aren't required to actually provide any proof of why they came to this number. In the case of Alex Jones, you can't in any way, shape or form ever argue that almost a billion dollars paid out to the families of, ki- of children who are dead, by the way, is somehow a justified amount. And that, the moral judgment behind this, that somehow we're doing a moral good for society by allowing these payments is completely fucking subjective. Should not be allowed. So <laughs> had a drunken conversation with this guy and uh, just it, it, you know destroyed him to the point where he couldn't make eye contact with me. But in a more interesting development, there most of the people there were more in line with, I would say, either independent or conservative slash libertarian, whether they knew it or not. And some of the teachers I was talking to, they're just out having a drunk conversation. And I see them Googling something. And I go, what are you Googling? And he goes, so check this out. If you go in your Google, open it up and just put in Google, tell me an interesting fact. Every single time, and we tried it on multiple phones, what comes up is a fact about transgender. So Google to show you the depth of what these social and technology companies do to adjust and change the narrative that exists around topics like transgenderism um, or, or you know, pick your leftist topic du jour is pushed through in that type of way. You know, it's not just the search results, but it's that kind of thing. And you think about, okay, who's going to be asking Google for an interesting fact? Probably a younger child, probably somebody that's just, you know, okay, let's have some fun with the phone. Tell me something fun, Google. And the first thing that comes up every time. 
is some factoid about transgenderism. Insidious. But these guys were outraged by it. And that made me, you know, happy because these are people that are trusted to mold the minds of children. These were guys were from the Central Coast. But it goes to show you that even within these educational spheres, people are getting pissed off. They're over it. They're telling me about the nouns they had to use, you know, these pronouns that one person has a cat in their class and literally they are forced to tolerate this person coming in, purring and answering and calling her by her cat name. And they go along with it because they don't want to be fired. And they know that the outrage machine is still so amped up, especially when it comes to teachers unions and all these this leftist horseshit, that they can't even go against a cat person. Then we're not even talking about gender identity here. We're talking about a person literally sitting in class purring when they're asked a question. How does that foster a teaching environment, which is in any way permissible, any way progressive? I mean, Shouldn't progressivism be towards moving towards a goal of a better future? Tell me how somebody sitting in a classroom pretending to be a fucking cat all day is leading us towards a great future. And I'll give you the Nobel Prize. It'll be the Nobel Prize for bullshit, but I'll give you the Nobel Prize. (laughs) But again, refreshing to hear that these guys, these teachers are talking about this openly, you know, at least openly with me um, and probably in secret among themselves or just say they, you know, that's how you have to do it. Secret conversations in the teacher's lounge under hushed voices, hushed, stanky coffee voices. Okay, let's get into some topics proper. As I said, I got to make this a short show, and I'm already nine minutes in. So the question on everybody's mind, everybody's lips on Twitter, and I haven't even checked to see if I'm getting cursed out by people on Twitter yet, is that Ronnie James, LeBron James' son, and the first of his sons to go to college to play, he fell down with a Heart-related issue, what we now is cardiac arrest during a practice at USC, right right up the street from me. Now, we can't say for certain, and I will not say for certain, that this is related to the vaccines because there are some questions there. Number one, just not everybody gets myocarditis from the vaccine, but we know predominantly who does, and it's young athletic males uh, between the ages of, you know, 15 and 40. Now, Not to say that definitively this happened, but there's all sorts of questions because LeBron James is on record saying that he would not necessarily recommend that everyone get the vaccination. On top of this, we know that there are ample amounts of professional players who did circumvent the vaccination by getting falsified cards. We know that people in the NBA specifically were vocal about not being vaccinated. Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Irving is one of the best examples of that. Of course, in the tennis world, Novak Djokovic. A great example. So we know that professional athletes have refused to get it. LeBron James was not one that we know of unless he got a fake card. But I know that these things exist. We have the stories being told. We have examples. So there's a possibility that Bronny wasn't vaccinated. We haven't heard LeBron James say that. And you'd think, similar to the circumstance with DeMar Hamlin in the NFL, which later on, a year later, he said, oh, is car, you know, uh, for the name of the name is it basically the impact related cardiac issue where a specific bam in the chest makes you fall down. And he later said that was it, you know, a month and a, or a year and a half later, which I don't really believe. So you've got LeBron James not really admitting or saying anything about the related issue other than, you know, leave the family alone. And you have the rest of us looking at this and saying, oh, this is a, a kid in the prime of his athletic life. His heart should be primed. He has spent his entire life playing basketball. So either this is a random, horrible occurrence, possible. 
Either he's using performance-enhancing drugs, also possible considering the amount of massive pressure you have on you as LeBron James kid, which again could lead to a heart attack as well. Let's not forget that. Maybe he just has a heart attack from the stress of being LeBron James kid now in the public eye playing for USC, a major school, major media marketplace. Possible. That's why. Just fell from the stress. Or the very public knowledge now that myocarditis does come from these vaccines. And with the knowledge that every California college and most left-wing colleges throughout the country insisted that all of their students be not only vaccinated, even if you have already contracted COVID, multiple vaccines, and had all your boosters up to date. And we know the relationship between the COVID vaccines and myocarditis and how getting all these boosters, getting all these vaccines is not going to improve your chances of avoiding a heart attack. It's going to make it much worse. Are we bad people for speculating that immediately when, when we heard this, the speculation, whether people were going to admit it or not from the left and the right and from the middle is, oh, that's COVID vaccine related myocarditis. I mean, it is... It seems at this point in time, Occam's razor as the most likely cause for a young athlete to collapse from in the prime of his career. Now, people will say that we're bad people for jumping to that conclusion, right? That somehow it's evil for us to speculate. How dare we speculate on this young child? Have you no respect? Well, no. What I have respect for is knowledge. What I have respect for is a media that wouldn't censor the shit out of this. What I have respect for is social media companies that didn't try to keep this information from the general public, as did the drug companies that made it. We now know publicly that that information has been released, that the incidents of heart-related issues during the trials right in there, and yet glanced over, not released, miscategorized. Are we bad people for speculating? Or do we have every right to speculate Considering the fact that we have been denied accurate access to information and that we were not even allowed, not permitted, and told that we were going to be barred from not only social situations, not only social media, but also potentially fired from our jobs for questioning the COVID narrative early on. The time for speculation is now, mostly because we're allowed to do it. And I'm very curious to see with this Women's World Cup coming up, if you're going to have any issues. Now, women are not as affected as men. This usually affects men way more, but I'm certainly going to be watching. I'm not going to be watching pieces of shit like Megan Rapino, who I despise more than almost anybody on the planet, by the way. And in, I read an interesting article, which I'll wax on as we make this transition. I think it was in the Epoch Times. Which now Jeffrey Tucker, who is, of course, on this show uh, just a couple weeks ago, now writes for. But I read an article questioning whether or not it's unpatriotic to root against the women's uh, national team in the World Cup. The question is raised for obvious reasons. Because these women have been the most anti-American, anti-free market, by the way, pieces of woke shit you could ever ask for. They go out playing for the women's national team where they're still making Plenty of money, by the way. The women actually make more money in sponsorships and ad dollars than the men. They get paid vastly more considering who goes to watch the games than the men. And they play far shittier competition than the men. And it's not even close. 
And it was pointed out what's funny about this, the playing terrible competition, is that you can tell how how well a country's women team is, is going to do because there's a freedom index. And the more free the society is as far as women, because they have far more opportunities, their mothers and fathers are probably both making income so they can afford to send these women to camps. They have schooling opportunities. They have scholarships opportunities because they're getting educations and they're pushing women's sports forward, right? With all this Title IX stuff. So the women with the most freedom index have the best teams. And yet who's out there of all these teams Who's out there taking a fucking knee during the anthem? Who's out there bitching and moaning about how they're treated and how women are oppressed in the United States and how these women, they deserve more money and more power and more attention. And God, we're just not going to have... Now, maybe part of that's just being a woman. (laughs) Women women are going to bitch about things. No offense, women, but it's true. And women also need far more than men. Granted, professional athletes need this and and actors always need this, but women need far more than men do to be told that they're bright, shining flowers and they're good and they're worthwhile. And who knows, maybe all the women on this team have fucking daddy issues and just turns out that they're turning to big daddy government. But is it unpatriotic not to root for the women's world cup national team? I say no. I say you reap what you sow. I think a message probably needs to be sent to these women that says, you're lucky to be where you are. You have opportunities that hardly anybody in the world can even sniff, let alone in our own country. So you might be better suited to shut the fuck up, to go out there, to maybe try and negotiate a pay increase behind the scenes if you think that it's, you know, that you really are worth that. And then, by the way, when it comes and is presented plainly in front of you that you're not, maybe gracefully back off and shut up. Instead, you've got Megan Rapinoe out there talking about how they should put transgenders playing against women, which, by the way, as soon as you do that, women are basically on the bench. You're done. You're on the bench. Men are faster. Men are stronger. I don't give a shit what you want to pretend happens. Uh, Rapinho, you would be replaced instantly. Your your bench spot, and I hope to God she's on the bench now, so I can not watch her. And I don't care. I'll turn the game off at the end of the game to not watch her. I don't give a shit. I don't care if it's going into penalty shots. If she's in the game, I'll turn it off. I can't stand her. She would not even be on the team because virtually any man out there on any college team, let alone probably high school team, could stand up, identify as a chick. And march onto that team and be better than Megan Rapinoe. So that's my take on that. Um, okay, next topic. Let's talk a little bit real quick about RFK Jr. Now, I did not watch the whole censorship hearing. As I said, I was not around to do so, but I've seen some of the highlights and commentary. And I do think it's hilarious that a hearing on censorship going into it, the Democrats tied to censor him. Why? Because of the comments he made at a dinner, which were recorded. So not even making a public speech here necessarily, but at a dinner, which was a closed dinner. But then they shared, you know, somebody shared video from it talking about how the studies done showed that Ashkenazi Jews and people from, I think, I'm not sure it was broader Asian descent or just Chinese descent were less susceptible to COVID and how that there was potential to genetically engineer these diseases. None of what he said there is wrong. None of it. I do think that 
probably saying it in that way, not the best idea. But when you get down to what he was intending to say, none of it was going after Jews. And in fact, one of RFK Jr.'s problems is that he is a huge Israel honk and is, you know, to me, when we look at Israel, the relationship the United States has with it, I find it to be detestable because I say that essentially what we're doing is enabling Israel to have apartheid with not only people within their own country, but also with obviously what's going on in Palestine and the West Bank. But he routinely supports Israel, sits down. He's got multiple you know, conversations he has with this giant Jewish rabbi. So to pretend that somehow he's being anti-Semitic here or is anti-Semitic and is trying to associate Jews with creating the COVID virus in some way, shape or form is, is laughably fucking stupid. Yet that's what these people are trying to say he's doing. Despite the fact that the point he's making about the ability to genetically alter diseases to target certain population groups is certainly within the realm of what we can do. <laughs> There's not even a doubt. There's not even a doubt. We're talking about mRNA vaccines that alter the way your bodies respond to cells in a certain way to a certain virus. Are you telling me that we really haven't figured that out already, that we can target certain genomes to go after them? Get the fuck out of here. Naturally, we have. We have, I'm telling you, let alone China and Russia and whoever else. But they try to use this as justification in saying that his opinions are so vile and so he cannot appear at this hearing on censorship. Now, why do they do this? Because they're scared of what he's going to say. Because he's the most censored person probably in the world right now. He's been censored for decades. And unlike many other people that have been censored, he's actually won in in multiple court cases. I think he's appeared in court like a hundred times. And he's won a shit ton of cases on what you you would be considered a conspiracy theory. What you would say should be censored because he's going after dominant narratives. He's going after pharmaceutical companies, going after, you know, uh, pesticide companies. He's not following the narrative. He's not playing the game. He is dangerous. And when it comes especially to COVID, he is exceptionally dangerous. So of course they're going to try to take him out. Now, the funniest part of the hearing that I saw was this idiot, Stacy Plaskett out of the Virgin Islands, who, by the way, there's a great video of her, which if I had more time, I would dug up. Not that it really helps because you can't hear it on the podcast, but she's essentially being worked like a puppet. Like somebody's got her hand, this little white chick behind her has her hand up Plaskett's ass. And you could literally see her speaking like a ventriloquist dummy. All right. She's trying not to move her mouth, but she's whispering to her, tying Russian collusion and disinformation that was trying to put forward to change the election. And they're going to change the election again. And Plaskett, like the imbecile she is, is repeating every word this woman's saying. She's like mumbling in the background. And she's repeating this, this crazy narrative, talking to RFK Jr. about why he should be censored because of Russian disinformation trying to alter our election cycle and how they're going to do it again. Because to these people, it all is coming back to somehow Russia and every matter of disinformation is related to that and somehow tying in how they were trying to get black people angry. None of this shit has to do with RFK Jr. Fucking none of it. If anything, you should say, okay, well, if you want to stop that quote unquote misinformation and you know the accounts are Russian, okay, if you want to try to stop that, that's not at least not censoring Americans. But we know for a fact that the FBI censored Americans based on the whims of fucking Ukraine. But this chick wants to be, you know, butt fucked with a hand puppet to talk about election interference from Russia, which we now know was. You know what, 2000 bucks spent on Facebook? This is the level of sophistication we're dealing with here. 
This is the level of stupid they think that everybody out there watching is. And look, they're not, they're not wrong. They're wrong for some of us. The people out there that are walking around with no inner monologue, those people probably buy this shit. They probably go, yeah, that's right. They did try to interfere in our election. They, well, we got a sense of this. This RFK guy, he's clearly working for Russia. Like everybody works for Russia, by the way. At the end of the day, <laughs> everybody works for Russia. It's like that, that company or it's like a, a black, like a nationalist black nonprofit that the FBI raided and is trying to press charges against because they got money donated to them by some Russian group as if they had any clue where the money is coming from. Because remember, everybody's working for Russia. Now, I just heard a sound. It better not be my dog fucking around. Now, that was one aspect that was funny. The second aspect was that they tried to censor RFK Jr. ahead of time by signing this letter demanding he not be allowed to speak that was signed by like 100 Democratic jackasses. And then Debbie Wasserman Schultz, during the hearing, essentially tries to censor him again by saying that what he has to say, he should have the right to say it, but that it shouldn't be said publicly. I'm. Th- this is me summing it up. But essentially he was saying, we don't want you to be heard during this hearing. <laughs> That's what she said. That we should go and do this in private. I didn't. They don't want him to be heard at the hearing. Let's go in the back room. Now, granted, I'm not going in the back room with Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Regardless, she already looks like the fucking thing from the movie The Thing. Like tried to make a woman, but somebody interrupted it halfway through, and it's half dog, half woman. That's what she looks like. She looks like a half dog, half thing from the movie The Thing. She's disgusting. And I don't know how she doesn't change her look to make it somehow less revolting to any eyeballs that fall upon her. But I mean, it's the amount of effort and hoops they go through to censor RFK Jr. is astounding. And I think it's only helping to cement him because you don't see panic level like this. I mean, this is commie McCarthy level panic that these people are going through because they know there is a large amount of government uh, cronyism, corruption, cover-ups that RFK Jr. knows, has research, has the contacts, and will try to expose, as he did during his speech at Porkfest. Really laid it out, beat by beat. So these people are naturally terrified. All right, last thing, guys, just to wrap up this short episode. And uh, I did a long, extra long one last week, so, you know, you're welcome. But we'll try to do an extra long one next week, too. All right, Nigel Farage. So this is a... Another example, straight out of the Alex Jones book, straight out of the Donald Trump book of giant banking corporations fucking conservatives or fucking anybody that they don't think lives up to their woke standards. Now, this is one of the most absolutely exceptionally dangerous concepts. You cannot, especially in our day and age where physical money is being phased out, you have stores that no longer will take physical money in many instances. You have CBDCs that are being threatened around the corner, which RFK Jr. also condemns completely. Another reason why they don't like him. In the age of digital, 
You cannot have banking institutions deplatform people and close their accounts, refusing to uh, to play ball with them because they don't like what they stand for, especially when these banks are working as handout operations or as extensions of the federal government. And by the way, that's what they are when you've got the FDIC behind you, when you've got, uh, well, I don't know what the, the one behind the bank is, the Bank of England. I don't know. I don't know exactly who's uh, the Central Bank of Europe. I'm not sure. Who has the FDIC version for the bank here, which is called uh, NatWest? And ba- and the parent company behind NatWest is Couts. Yeah, Couts, a private banking arm of NatWest. But when you've got what is essentially an extension of the federal government working in conjunction with the feds, giving information to the feds, uh, working with the banking, you know, the banking arm of the federal reserve directly to essentially alter the marketplace. And don't be confused. That's what they do. Right. So if we're talking about these institutions that the, the federal reserve will just hand out massive amounts of money to in order to adjust the economy and adjust lending and adjust inflation, you're talking about extensions of the fucking federal government. Thus, you cannot be permitted to bank based upon your personal moral values, whatever they are. And yet we've seen that happen multiple times now. With Citibank, we're seeing certain credit card companies refusing to work with people and refusing to uh, provide you know, transactions for firearm purchases, for ammo purchases. God knows what's next. Probably fucking too much fuel purchases because, you know, we're in a climate emergency. Then you've got the example of Donald Trump being denied access to Stripe accounts and his bank accounts for fundraising purposes. You have Alex Jones being deplatformed from literally everything at once so that he couldn't bank anywhere. You've got Nigel Farage now, one of the most prominent English politicians who led the Brexit movement, which, as we know, was the biggest assault on the left of Europe that's ever lived. And of course, he was branded as a racist, as a a xenophobe, as everything else, even though the core of Brexit had to do with governance and self-governance and regulation and taxation and, re- and re- representation. Essentially, they took a page out of our book when we became the United States of motherfucking America saying we don't have accurate representation, no taxation without representation. Well, that's what the EU is to England. It was a governing body that told them what was what, that took their money, that had people that were appointed without any say so from the people of Britain that was now governing what they could and couldn't do, immigrants coming into their country, all this all this different bullshit. But of course, they brand it as racism. So now you have this bank with Nigel Farage, one of the most prominent politicians in Europe. He's denied access to his bank accounts or, or told that his bank accounts are now closed, you know, fuck off, find another institution. He's given no warning. They just, boop, there you go, you're cut off. So he does some investigating. He says, well, give me why. Why cut me off? He has 30 pages of essentially what is political propaganda against him, wherein they call him, uh, as I just said, a racist, a xenophobe, uh, you know, a, a hateful person because of the rhetoric he's used and the effects it's had in society. All these things are completely subjective, by the way, should not be permitted by a bank institution working hand in hand with a government. They then reference, and this is kind of ironic in the text of these documents, saying that he was nothing but polite to the staff. So the guy, nothing but polite to the staff, has plenty of money there. Oh, and also it leaked that initially the CEO, Dame, 
you know, who gives a fuck McFuck, Dame Allison Rose. She had responded to questions from the BBC about his account being closed. And she had initially said, well, he didn't have enough money to meet the banking requirements. Now, that is something that's a fireable offense. She should be fired for that. It's blatantly untrue. Number one, never was true. And yet she's out there now and he should sue her for, for libel. She's there saying, well, he's too poor to bank with us and ignoring the fact that they took a political book and basically whacked him upside the head with it because he wasn't woke enough. And because he led a movement that they didn't appreciate, despite the fact that more than half the country voted for it. So are they going to deplatform and debank half the country over this? I mean, I bet they'd love to if they could. Anyway, that's where we will end this episode. Uh, apologies again for being late. Uh, my calendar done got fucked up. So what can you do about it? But guys, please support the show. Go to our uh, locals page or our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. By the way, I apologize uh, with the timing of it going out of town. I just got the edit from the great Miguel over at Free the People who had shot our specials, our Do Nothing Man, our Werewolves uh, Destroy Capitalism. I have that video too. All those are done. I have them. I was just waiting to get those and download them because he did all the mixing and the cutting and all that stuff for me, which is great because that saves me a hell of a lot of time. So apologies for that. They were out at Freedom Fest, so a little bit of delay there. So those are going up. You can only get them now at our Patreon or our locals. Um, I don't know when I'll release them to the public sometime, but I don't know when. If you want to get a video and that Do Nothing Man episode, Do Nothing Man versus the Mighty Morphin LGBTQ Rangers, hilarious. You don't want to miss it. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. And if nothing else, guys, please hit subscribe. Tell a friend about the podcast. That really helps more than anything. Tell a friend to listen. If you see somebody ask about your favorite podcast, please tag us. And I thank you, the people that tagged me out there. Um, you know, I, we really appreciate that. So subscribe, tell a friend. Otherwise, hugs and kisses. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty Network. And from me and Age Daydream, Keep those electric eyes on me, babe. Keep that rake to my head.